So this is it. We could see history in the making. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's bucklet time. Welcome to your online coffee break, where we discuss bite-sized topics that inspire, educate, and entertain. Here's your host, a software innovator, award-winning marketer, and astronomy and space buff, Chuck Fields. Hello, thanks for joining me today for your online coffee break. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce my special guest, Doug E. Doug. Dougie Doug has an incredible 30-year career as an actor, comedian, director, producer, and a writer. He is well-known to movie viewers for his starring role as a Jamaican bobsledder in the movie Cool Runnings. But he started his amazing career early, at the age of just 17, as a stand-up comic. Doug recently released his first book called The Fall of 87, a dope novel. It's a standalone mystery about a young black man in Brooklyn who embarks on a spiritual odyssey to solve a murder. Patriotism. It inspires passionate debate. It's worn like a badge of honor with good reason. Because it means love and devotion for one's country. But what really makes up this country of ours? It's the people. To love America is to love all Americans. This year, patriotism shouldn't just be about pride of country. It should be about love. Love beyond age, sexuality, disability, race, religion, and other labels. Because love has no labels. Online Coffee Break. Doug, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, it is my pleasure. And I'd say, I have to be really honest with you. I am really amazed how early you got started. I understand when you were just 17 years old, you were yes. starting on becoming a stand-up comedian. I was just wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, Dave Chappelle beat me by a year. He was 16. Um, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think it has to do with maybe a troubled childhood. Uh, I mean, oh, what, is a, be. What, is, what is a kid doing, you know, in that kind of environment? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I essentially, you know, I had always had a love for stand-up comedy, um, almost a kind of savant kind of interest in it, you know, like really the nuances and, you know, comedians that people thought were obscure, but I, I thought were... Like, uh, like who? I, I, uh, Dick Sean, for example. Okay. I, well. I, I was a big fan of Dick Sean. Um, wow. <laughs> um, I like com- comedians that transitioned into being actors and who were yeah. character, who had you know, strong characters that were very an indelible uh jonathan winters uh, oh gosh yeah fan of jonathan winters so so um so i always loved i was attracted to that as a kid and um i, I and i was always trying to test out routines in the neighborhood and people i mean immediately people were like you know you need to go to you need an outlet or something <laughs> to go to, to a stage or something yeah and um actually i was a real disruptive force in school and a and a principal his name was uh, brother james bonilla god rest his soul oh, wow. he was he was like uh you know people are kicking you out of class and stuff like that but i i think you need to just like i'm gonna open up assemblies and <laughs> give you an opportunity <laughs> to let some of this energy out yeah, i was way- wondering yeah i was wondering because you know there's that stereotype of communities of how you were growing up so this this kind of makes me wonder how you were. so okay keep going sorry yeah and he was like uh i'm gonna open up the assemblies I, yeah. I think you have you have funny things to say. So just say them during assembly, and then you can maybe like not do it in class anymore. That's awesome. <laughs> and it turned out to be 
a brilliant technique because it was this about is about instead of condemning what I was doing, he was saying it was an, it, it was it was the tact, it was the timing, it was the place to do it. Yeah. So he showed me the stage and opened up the stage to me. Then I joined the uh, performing arts, and sort of I guess the rest is history. I just developed a. Well, it's sort of, it's sort of, at least if it's an unknown history to me, because I mean, 17 years old at the Apollo theaters when you were seeing yeah, first? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that wow. year I graduated from high school. I graduated from high school at 17. So I graduated early. But um, wow. uh, that summer I was just didn't, you know, like, what am I going to do with myself? And so <laughs> I went down to open mics at the various local comedy clubs where so many famous comedians came, up, uh, came out of the comic strip and uh, Dangerfields and here in New York City. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it was that time it was Eddie Murphy was very successful. So there was sort of a, a, a sense of le- maybe little young black kids can be funny, like phenom- phenomenons, you know, like, yep. <laughs> so people were very open to me. So, um, That's awesome. Yeah. And then I, and then I found my way to the Apollo and then I, I developed a, a substantial audience in Harlem, um, uh, at a local club called the Uptown Comedy Club, which a lot of. Uh, famous comedians today came out of black yeah. came out of um and so uh, i uh, that's how i got to the apollo yeah so i think you see and then what was it you were actually one of your first gigs i guess you hosted the new music report can you tell exactly. us more about about that what is that yes i got that job working at the apollo cuz uh, russell simmons uh, saw me at the apollo yeah. and he said oh you know i'm doing this show that's a mixture of comedy and uh interviews of rap artists and music artists and so forth and so um he said you know he got on his knees actually and said will you host this show for me well that's impressive (laughs) yeah i was just like okay um you know i was a kid but i think he saw oh this would be the a person who could translate you know very broadly um and um and who understood the the hip-hop culture at that time and could relate to the artists etc and so I did that. And, I, and as a matter of fact, they were like, he told me, oh, we really don't even have anybody to write it. And I said, I'll write it, you know, yeah. not knowing exactly what it meant to write a television show at that time. So I got wow. a couple of my comedian friends and we put together a de facto writer's room. And I ended up being a head writer of a, <laughs> of a, tele, of a syndicated television show. So that just, is just unbelievable. Like That's incredible. <laughs> Oh wow! And the rest, I t- I think that's just amazing because I guess it's kind of a neat thing too because we're kind of at that age. I mean, we don't know what we don't exactly, know, and we just, exactly. we're just like no fear. You went ahead, and I think that's just exactly very exactly. inspiring. Now I understand as you went it your your first movie, so to speak. You you got a one liner in a Spike Lee movie. Yes, that also came from the Apollo. He saw me at <laughs> the Apollo, and um, he said, uh, you know, are you uh, do you uh, um do you uh sad card? <laughs> and I'm like, and I lied. I was like, yeah, I didn't even know what a SAG card was. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, a union card, like, you know, for yeah. an actor. And, uh, but he, call, he he let me be in the movie anyway. I was on the movie for two weeks as an extra. And then I, and then, you know, this is a, another uh, uh, message for young people. Mm-hmm. I went up to him. I said, thank you very much. You know, the last two weeks, because I didn't, get, I didn't get a line. I said, thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank, I appreciate it. And he was like, no, 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 you're going to get a line. <laughs> so he set up the camera, the last shot of the whole movie, really? just, to, just to give me a line and paid and did what they call Taft Hartley, which is uh, I paid a penalty so that I could be part of the union. So once again, it was this sort of fortuitous uh, thing. 
And then I, I got into the actors union like that. <laughs> See, and that's wonderful. Now I'm going to flash forward because I know you've done so much stuff, but I, I've just got to bring this up. One of my all-time favorite movies, of course, Cool Runnings. Yeah. How did that happen for you? Like, how did you audition for that, getting that, that awesome role that you had? As Sanka Coffee, I love the character, of course. Yeah, once again, I, I, I was doing the new music report, and, and a producer from Walt Disney saw me on the show rolling around on the street with my friend, MC Search, Michael Barron. <laughs> so, and we were just having fun. So he said, hey, that, that, little, that little black kid rolling, <laughs> rolling, sitting on the floor, I, I think he could, do, could have his own television show. So <laughs> I, got a, I got a deal with Walt Disney uh, to do a television show, which I did for ABC called Where I Live. It was mm -hmm. on for two seasons. So while I was doing that show, I was on the lot. Yeah. So someone said, you know, Disney's doing this movie about the Jamaican bobsled team. And I remember, you know, what happened in 88. And I'm, my father's from Jamaica. So exactly. Was, yeah. Did that help? With the, yeah, I, think, I think so. You know, I think in terms of uh, familiarity with the accent and feeling comfortable, um, you know, contriving a kind of accent that would be, you know, uh, uh, digestible and understandable to audiences, but not be, you know, bring totally untrue so okay i'm gonna interrupt you there uh, uh, if i can dougie uh, I, I just the, the it's calling me i gotta do it sanka <laughs> sanka are you dead yeah man <laughs> there you go bucket list crossed off right there <laughs> there you go i'm so sorry so anyway so your, your father obviously you're making that helped you with the role it's a yeah. fantastic role what was it like on the set because it looks like and i know it's obviously movie editing but it looks like you guys were having so much fun oh we were having a lot of fun i mean um you know it was great because it's this international uh, production we were shooting in canada we we're shooting in jamaica it's just like a strange way to entree into the film business <laughs> it's like, yeah. like all of a sudden you're like you know you're doing a movie in two countries, you know, like, 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 so it was great. We were having a great time. We were, um, I was in great shape because they did like training and I, you know, we were training together and making jokes and we had no, we just thought it was just a nice gig. I didn't think, you know, I don't think anybody understood that it was going to be this kind of global sensation and oh, yeah. endure as so for so many years and in so many uh, different countries, you know, it's, incredible <laughs> it is it is timeless now when you were filming it did, were you actually in calgary at that time because i know you actually went yes. back to calgary in 2013 i did yes. what was that like going back there after all that time it, it was it was uh nostalgic but it was also very powerful in a sense because um it's a meaningful movie to many people for many different reasons throughout the world but calgary has a very special meaning um because it's it's essentially a story about them and, and about their kindness and the ways in which they embraced uh, these men. And so, uh, you know, it, I remembered how kind and wonderful that they were um, when I went back. So, oh, wow, this was, I could live here if it wasn't so cold. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, uh, sorry, I, I'm just cutting now to the scene where you're in the freezer with your wonderful, which I, which I wish I could do that with my hair, honestly. There you go, my piece. But that was also- now. Oh, I hear you. Let me ask you this, if, if I can. Um, what was it like working with John Candy? I mean, he's another great comedian, and, and here you are. You're kind of early in your career, I guess, and you're working next to him. What was that like? Any memories you can share about him? Oh, yes. Um, well, first of all, he, he uh, took me to my first hockey game, which was quite a thrill. Awesome. <laughs> um, he was an, I always say he was an angel on earth, frankly. 
and one of the sweetest, nicest, um, warmest guys that I've met, not only in show business, but in my life. Um, he was a beautiful, beautiful person. Um, he was always such a cheerleader for us um, in terms of the guys and trying to get us to be treated uh, appropriately and nicely because, you know, sometimes show business can be kind of a meat market and a exploitative thing. And uh, he was very conscientious about making sure we were treated properly because it was a hierarchy. You know, he was at the top of yeah. the food chain. And, uh, but he never made any, anybody feel uh, bad. And he was, he was just a beautiful person. Oh, see, that, that's um, wonderful. Now, yeah, yeah. Now, I, 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 I have special memories of him, of course, but Cool Runnings, you've done so much since then. But what I really wanted to kind of jump forward to is I was really impressed that you've just come out with a book in January. Yeah. Um, it's called The Fall of 87, a dope novel. Now, I was just wondering, if, can you give just our audience a general synopsis of the book in your words? Yes. Um, it's, it's a story about a, um, a peer, point in, a period in time in American history um, in the uh, uh, late 80s during what has been referred to as the crack epidemic. Right. And uh, it's about a, a young man who is in this environment and who is uh, trying to get out of what he's doing, which is not a good thing that he's doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, something happens uh, in his life that causes him to have to retrace the steps of his brother who has passed away. And he tries to learn about not only what happened to him, but he learns about who he really, what kind of person he really was through his retracing of the steps and listening to the people who, 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 uh, who, who uh, encountered him during his last weeks of life. Wow. Now, Doug, I understand this is your, your, your first book ever. It's a mystery. What was it like writing your first book? Was that a challenge for you? Because I actually, I, I got to admit, if I've heard right, you actually have worked it as a summer school English teacher and yes. writing coach. So yes. was this just a natural progression for you? It was. You know, I've always, always been thinking about, you know, I studied literature at, at school at, at NYU. And, um, you know, I'd always been in my mind uh, saying, one day I'm going to write a book, you know. And, um, and I especially after reading certain kinds of books were very inspirational. Um, I loved uh, English literature. So I, I liked uh, the way that sort of worlds were created by authors like Jane Austen and George Eliot and so forth. And um, so I was always like, man, I think I can write something that seeped in black culture during a certain period that has this kind of folksy um, cultural dynamic where people get an intimate understanding of how these communities work mm -hmm. and don't work, um, as opposed to the sort of stereotypes and the sort of things that uh, that cause people to be very afraid of one another. I know, hear the, you loud and clear. The peddling, the peddling of stereotypes or what have you. Oh, yeah, we have so much. That. I hear uh, Walter Mosley is also a oh, sort of... Oh, my God, yes. I think that's my favorite writer of all time, Walter Mosley. Um, I just you know, think that he's such a, a, a clever kind of writer because he, especially the, the Easy Rollins books, they're, they're basically historical fiction in a sense, you know, mm -hmm. because they're very thoughtful about the way they immerse characters in a place and time. And, um, and of course, he, he explores aspects of Black culture that, that people may or may not have access to, and then they develop a sort of intimate understanding of the culture. So I, li I like that sort of thing. 
Yeah, because yeah, I hear, I mean, that's kind of a, a passion of yours is to sort of get out the word, you know, represent the, the hip hop culture in that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I just think that's wonderful. How's the book helping along with that? Um, I think it's doing well. I mean, I, I, I think that people who, are, who, who do read it, particularly people who are not uh, intimately knowledgeable or part of that community, I think they develop with a lot of insights about uh, the inner workings of, of people, particularly, I mean, like the book is focused on a, a 19-year-old uh, drug dealer, mm-hmm. uh, former drug dealer. So, I mean, to, and, and it's a first-person uh, narrative. So it's like you're in his head and in his mind for a, a significant period of time. Now, what opportunity would one person have for that? So it's like, but uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, I guess, what they call a picaresque novel in the sense of it's this idea of a person from the underclass that um, survives by their wits. And so you, 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 uh, over time, you realize how brilliant they really are. Um, and so I think that was a very important, that's the thing I observed when I lived in Bed-Stuy in the 80s, that some of these guys that I knew could have been just about anything. Um, but of course, on the base, because of this kind of exposure and lack of education, et cetera, you know, they, they, they just, uh, you know, ended up, uh, uh, you know, fulfilling their lowest order needs, you know. Um, yeah. so, you know, it's about human potential and about if you people are given an uh, opportunity and a chance to to develop properly, you know, you know, Barack Obama, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, anybody exactly. can be anything, you know. Absolutely. So. Now, now, this is obviously a, kind of a strange time. I, I know you're obviously not doing any book signings now, no. but I, I commend you. You're actually doing some book readings on Facebook. Can you tell us I more am, about yeah. just what you're doing to sort of promote the book at this time? Yes, yes, I'm doing the uh, what's called I'm calling the Pandemic Book Club online. At my uh, fa- and uh, my name is Douglas Bourne, but it, uh, uh, it's on Facebook. And um, I'm just uh, you know reading selected pieces, not only from my book, but from, from from things that I think are germane to the times, things that could be inspirational. Um, a lot of stuff from the Harlem Renaissance. Um, the play that I directed. Um, and uh, so I'm reading some selections from that, but I'm going to be reading from anything I think that could be potentially uplifting or insightful uh, during this period. I mean, since we're already in this process of, of thinking about how to be together and, and live together, I think it's important that we also get some insight into who, you know, some extra insight into who we are and what our lives might be like. And I think that could be an aid to people during this period, you know, because when oh. we're looking at people, we're not just looking at them, you know, with sympathy or pity or what have you, but we're looking at them with, with real understanding. And I think I can try to aid that through, through reading or through anything. I'd like to do that. Well, Doug, that's wonderful. And um, your book is available now on Amazon, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes for this episode too. So if anyone wants to go get that, please, I highly recommend it. Doug, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. We want to wish you just the best of luck with your book and your career. And, and again, it's been a pleasure to sp- talking with you. Thank you so oh, much. My pleasure. Best to you and your family and, uh, and good health to everyone. Online Coffee Break. Wow, I really enjoyed my conversation with Doug, and I encourage you to check out his book on Amazon. It's called The Fall of 87 Adult Novel. Check it out today. If you love mystery novels, it's sure to be a great read. Anyway, I want to thank Doug for joining me today. I want to thank you for taking time to join us as well. If you like this episode, and we hope you do, give us a like. If you're uh, watching on YouTube or if you're listening on a podcast application, if you can just rate us there, we would really appreciate it. And of course, we always appreciate it if you could share this episode with a friend. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next time. God bless.